Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today on the show, I will have Father Scott Trainer in the studio with me to talk about Lent. And he has lots of great things to say whenever he's here, so I hope you'll stick around for that. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald here for Biblical Bites with Dr. B. Dr. P. Dr. Uh, we still need that theme. I'm waiting on the Diddy. Bill? Diddy. Please. <laughs> Did he something? Um, Biblical Bites with Dr. B. We are going to be talking about the first reading and the gospel for today. Oh, both. Okay. The first we reading. only have like four minutes. I know. I know. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is from the book of Leviticus, okay. which we'll be talking about on ignition soon. Yes. If someone has on his skin a scab or a pustule or blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the priests among his descendants. If the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head. And we go on from there. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean, since he is, in fact, unclean. He should dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. The gospel from Mark, a leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I do will it be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. Tells him to go see the priest. After the cleansing prescribed, there'll be proof for them. What's the deal with leprosy, Renee? Uh, it was seen as, I'm probably going to say it's Unclean, wrong. apparently. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. It's exactly what I right. needed. Well, it's not the same as ritually unclean, right? It no. includes ritual impurity. Right. So I suppose it was seen as <clears throat> something evil. What's leprosy? It's a skin ale. It's really contagious. I know that. (laughs) It's a skin ale. It's really contagious. Yeah, disease. I mean, so leprosy in the proper sense, like it's where your your skin will start to like flake off. Yeah, flake. I mean, yeah. It's uh, now we've modern science, modern medicine. We've been able to we're able to treat it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but even St. Damien of Molokai, Father, Father Damien of Molokai, mm-hmm. the, the Belgian priest who, um, he ministered to the, um, the Hawaiian islands. Yeah. Uh, they had a, a leper colony mm-hmm. where I literally another, because as you said, it's so Very contagious. contagious yeah. Now the old Testament Leviticus, well in the gospels for that matter, leprosy was not just that specific disease. It's also, it, it's basically more of an umbrella term for any, any sort of skin oh. ail, as you said, skin ailment okay. or disease. Because they didn't necessarily know which which ailment sure. or disease it was. Sure. If you had any of eczema, uh, <laughs> any scab or postule or blotch, uh, which appears, which could be the sore of leprosy, you were brought to the priest, and then you, you lived outside because it was such a contagious disease. Sure. What does Jesus do in the gospel? So, so they're, they're supposed to run around as Bill helpfully demonstrated for us. Unclean, <laughs> unclean. So stay away. I don't, I don't want you to get, right. you don't want to get this disease that I have. What does Jesus do? He, he was not afraid. He, well, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but he touched him. 
he touched him. Yeah. So Jesus could have said, I do will it be made clean. Without and touching without him. Without touching yeah. him. But he, he enters into the man's pain. Right. His suffering. Literally, he touches the man and he didn't do that. Or d- didn't need to do that. Right. So that, that just, so with this literal physical ailment, Jesus is showing how he desires to enter into our pain and suffering. He doesn't stay, stand off from afar. He is near to, even though we don't, feel him physically touching us the way this leper did, we can know and have confidence and trust that Jesus heals us as well. A great way to start our Lent show. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. Today in the studio with me, I have Father Scott Trainer again. Hi, Renee. Hi, how you doing? Great, great to see you. Good, it's kind of like our little intro for with Dr. B. Hi, Renee, how you doing? <laughs> He's always very excited to see, here, see us and be here, just as you I are. think it's you. <laughs> I have, I Doubt that. <laughs> I really doubt that. <laughs> All right. So we are going to talk about um, Lent today. Uh, yes. Father Scott Trainer is the vicar for lay and clergy. Formation. Just, thank you. Like left my mind for a second. <laughs> I was going to say development. That's. It's like it. It's close. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about Lent today, um, a few different aspects of it as we begin. We'll actually begin Lent. Uh, this is around the 14th. So yes, that it. Ash Wednesday is the weekend after this, right? Yes, coming up. Yeah. Okay, good. So can you explain what this thing is called Lent that we do every year? (laughs) Yeah, Lent is a great pilgrimage of preparation for the central saving mysteries of our faith, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have this great gift in the Catholic Church of the liturgical calendar, right? right? And so we have starting with Advent that begins the new year, Mm -hmm. uh, leading up to the celebration of the incarnation at Christmas, Jesus's birthday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have the seasons of ordinary time. Uh, And like Advent is a preparation for Christmas, Lent is this period of preparation for uh, the sacred triduum. So Holy Thursday and the institution of the Last Supper, Mm -hmm. Good Friday, the suffering and death of our Savior Jesus on the cross, and the silence of Holy Saturday and the glory of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. So since that is the central saving uh, moment of our entire faith, when Jesus Christ, who freely gave himself, laid down his life for us on the cross, is risen from the dead, uh, it's not something we just kind of wander into like, oh, what is it? Oh, it's Easter, we rose from the dead, good. (laughs) Now, of course, every Sunday, and in fact, every Mass, uh-huh. we celebrate the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Right. But this is the time of the year that we celebrate it most fully and most solemnly uh, with all the beauty and richness that our faith has to offer. So we have, we're given this big, generous time to prepare for that great and central celebration of our whole year. I like how you said that, big, generous time. Yeah. Not terrible time, generous time. Oh, it's a wonderful time. <laughs> Yeah, like if we're like if we're doom and glooming it through Lent, we're going about it the wrong way. That's probably right. true. Yeah. I might have gone about it the wrong way once yeah. or twice. <laughs> That's right. All right, so this is a time of repentance, sacrificial mm. giving, uh, prayer. So, can you explain what it means to repent? Sure. Uh, most people have heard, like along the way, that repentance is turning away from sin and turning back to God, and that's mm. absolutely true. Uh, but I like, and I think it's helpful for people to kind of break down repentance into okay. a few more parts, like okay. a little more uh, granular detail, mm-hmm. as they say. And, of course, the great uh, parable in the Gospels of God's mercy, which meets our repentance, is the prodigal son. Right? Right. So there's a couple moments for that familiar story for our listeners that really illustrate the fullness of repentance. 
And the first is uh, for really to have full repentance. I need to, I'm going to first start to feel the misery of my sin. Mm. Like there's a, there's a point at which uh, the younger son who told his father, give me my share of your inheritance, which is like, Hey dad, drop dead. You're in the way. I wish you were dead. <laughs> so I get my stuff. Right. I don't want you. I want your stuff. Right. It's horrible. Uh, and he takes it and the father gives him his inheritance and he goes off and he squanders it in a foreign country. So he's away from his people. He's away from family and friends, everything he grew up with. He's mm-hmm. squandered everything and he has to hire himself out. Uh, and he ends up feeding the pigs, right. which for a Jewish person for whom pigs are richly and queen, this is like, you can't get a lower state. And then right. a famine strikes that foreign land and he's starving. Right. And then one day, and this is the beginning of repentance, mm-hmm. he comes to his senses and he says, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough to eat? And here I am longing to fill my belly with the pig food mm-hmm. and no, but no one's giving me any. Right. Right. So to actually feel the misery that comes with our sins is a great beginning step of repentance. Um, so can I ask a question yeah, there? So at that point, do you have to understand that what you did was wrong or is it just that you feel the, the misery yeah, of it? I think it's the start of conversion. Okay. It's not even, it's before I realize like, and then I start telling you, like, how is it the case that I'm sitting here longing to eat the pig food? Like yeah. what is, I start to reassess. Right. Like what is going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas if I'm just like going down, I think, if I'm just kind of going along, fat, dumb, and happy, I may not be <laughs> feeling the misery that my sin brings. So the commandments are not like an arbitrary set of rules that God gives us because he's a, a cruel taskmaster, right. right? They are ordinances of love because mm-hmm. he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb, and he knows what makes for our happiness. Right. And what God commands us to do and commands us to avoid in the commandments uh, are really aimed at to serve our happiness. Mm-hmm. And when I live in a way contrary to the commandments, it always brings misery into my life. Right. But we can live, we do live in a, a world of, uh, like in the West, of real material well-being and mm-hmm. advertising that tells you, oh, here's the solution to your unhappiness and buy this product and shower with this soap and <laughs> do whatever, and that will make you happy. And we can kind of go from thing to thing. Right. Might take us a As while a way to of feel misery. Yeah. the misery, the unhappiness or the hurt mm-hmm. that our sins are really bringing. So it's actually a real grace when I start to feel like things aren't right, and I start to reassess. Right. So that's that first moment of okay. repentance. Right? Okay. That readily gives rise to the second moment, which is to awaken to a desire for something better. Okay. Okay. Yep. And how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough to eat? I think I want that. Right. So you see that right yep. there. And then thirdly, <clears throat> to believe that. So the. In the parable, the father is an image of God that God is is capable of and desires to provide that better thing for me. I will go to my father and ask to be treated this way. Yep. I believe that he can do that and that he's willing to do that. Yeah, That's a big thing in repentance because a lot of times, you know, I, I certainly have this in my own life where I'm, I'm beating myself up in self-recrimination and I'm kind of projecting my own like ugh, about myself on God. Right. And not really believing in his unconditional love. Right. So that sense that, ooh, God can make a real difference for, for me, and he wants to out of love for me. That's a, a key, key ingredient of repentance. Yeah. And then, as he does in the parable, I'm going to go to my father. I actually have to get up and go to God. And as Catholics, we have the great gift of the sacrament mm-hmm. of reconciliation. I go to confession every two weeks. I urge people to go every calendar month. Okay. And I never run out of stuff to confess. And it's not because I'm just like an outstandingly bad person. Like... <laughs> Starting to wonder. No? But it's really, I really, you know, really like sin is just a pulling away from God's love. Right. 
And I do that every day. And I'm so happy to have that opportunity regularly to go to God and say, God, in all these ways, I pulled away from or ignored or turned my back on the love that I know you're offering me Mm -hmm. and to be reconciled to him. So to actually go to the father and ask forgiveness. Right. So that's, I think that's number four. Yeah. And then number five, this is really important um, to actually receive the forgiveness and enter into the joy of the father. So this is something I've been thinking about uh, in the last actually couple of years. Okay. Is that, you know, we hear in the parable that the father saw his son a long way mm-hmm. off, right? So and he ran to him. Yep. And a lot has been made, and rightly so, that the father is running. This is unheard of in Jesus' day. <laughs> okay. A Jewish, especially in this circumstance where the son had publicly rebuked his father and humiliated him in the community, right? Mm-hmm. In the way that happened in this parable. The father's not going to run. The right. elders do not run. Okay. He might and, just stand there and tap his foot and be yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's expecting him to reject the son right. when this guy comes crawling back. Right? Mm-hmm. But instead, he runs to his son. And that is a big deal. But the consequences of that is that after the restoration happens, the robe and the ring and the sandals, right? And we're going to have the party now. They have a long walk back to the church. <laughs> I never uh, thought to, about to the church, that. To the house. Still. Yeah. It's a long ways back. Yeah. And there's a real, I'm sure there'd be a battle in the younger son's heart. Is he really going to enter into the joy of the father? The father is very clear with the younger son and then later with the older son. We must rejoice because this son of mine who was dead has returned and is alive. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just that's a heart full of unconditional love. And the father's full of joy. And that's it. Yep. There's no rebuke. There's no like, on well, later, we're going to yeah. like get there's into no, this. So like, glad you're back. After but. we're done eating, like, <laughs> hmm, I'm going to show you what that's going to be like. No. <laughs> It's this total restoration. It's unconditional love. and the, But the son has a real choice. Is he going to enter into the joy of the father? Or is he going to still stand aloof and insist, like, no, I can only be treated as a servant and oh, not as your son? Right. And it would be a shame. And it would actually bring sorrow to the father for the, the younger son who has been forgiven uh, in his profound repentance to, not to enter into the father's joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big challenge for uh, people who do turn to God and trust in his forgiveness too. Will I really enter into the fullness of joy of the Father and not sort of like, okay, whew, thank God, you know, I was able to get my sins um, forgiven and now I just, I really got to make up for it. Like, you know, that's so true. I really got to make for it, which is yeah. different than like, no, I want to live in a way, I want to share in the Father's joy and live the way I'm made to live. Right. But instead, like, no, I'm going to make up for it actually. Right. I no longer deserve to be called your son, just treat me as a servant. When the father's like, you're my son and I love you. And that's what brings me joy. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to give me your servant. I have, it's not the fullness of repentance. Yet. Right. Right. So those five moments feel like the, actually coming in touch with more of the hurt and the misery, the unhappiness that sin brings, awakening to a desire for something more, trusting that God can and desires to provide for that something more, mm-hmm. going to God with humility and asking the forgiveness and then entering in to the forgiveness that's given, entering into the joy of the father. That's a, uh, I think, a full version or vision of the repentance to which we're called in this holy season of Lent. Yeah. So, okay, where does penance fit into that? Because we have, you know, after you mm-hmm. go to confession, you have your penance. Yep. And that's bigger than just that. So yep. where does that fit in? Yeah, a good penance, uh, if you go to confession, you're mm-hmm. talking about the penance you're given at the yeah. end of confession, yeah. like say three Hail Marys or whatever yeah. it might be. <laughs> and you're yeah. thinking, really, that's it? <laughs> Right, because I'm not making up for my sin, right? right? I am depending on Jesus who paid the price for my sins. He willingly laid down his life on the cross for me. Yeah. Because I can never make up for my sins, you know? Uh, but that forgiveness is a gift from God in his love for us. 
So penance, uh, if you're a confessor, you're hearing confessions as a priest, right? Uh, you really want to notice, like, what is the grace that's at work in this person's heart that's brought them to confession in the first place? Okay. And for some people, that's just a good habit. For some people, they haven't been to confession in, you know, mm-hmm. like 20, 30 years. Right. Thank God they're here today. And I want to hear in um, confession, I, in, and oftentimes I'll ask a penitent, like, could you tell me, like, what brought you to confession today? You know, especially if it's been a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and just see. And what is, I want to see kind of that trajectory or pathway of grace that unfolds in that oh, story. Sure. Yeah. And I want to offer a penance that's just going to be fuel on that fire. God has lit a fire in this person's heart. There's been bands of love that's drawn them to this encounter, this beautiful encounter of confession. Mm-hmm. And what can I do to foster that and to pour fuel on that fire? So very often it is like, hey, pray with the scripture passage or oh, okay. offer these prayers. but maybe to give a grace that they can ask for that will be like just another step along that path oh. that God has already initiated. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Cuz I seriously a lot of times you 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 you're like really three Hail Marys that's right. that's all I got to do and but it mm-hmm. it really is because uh God loves us so much he doesn't he doesn't want us to dwell on it and right. and beat ourselves up for forever. Mm-hmm. So what a wonderful thing. So uh, if you just joined us, we're talking to Father Scott Trainer about Lent. Uh, so there are three major pieces of our Lenten journey each year, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. So how would you approach these three things during Lent? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, would, I, I would start with prayer, right? Okay. Because all of this is aimed to grow in relationship with God. Okay. That I can live more consistently and in deeper intimacy with God at the end of Lent than I did when I began Lent. Right. That's a fruitful Lent. Yeah. Okay. You want to make some progress. That's right. <laughs> and the progress is precisely in that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I'm looking to grow in a virtue, right? So it's okay. a, that's a habit of soul by which I do what is good with greater ease and joy, right? Well, if I'm doing what's good with ease and joy, it's because that good thing is going to orient me to God in a deeper relationship with him, for mm-hmm. example. So that, if I start with that, uh, I would start with prayer. Like prayer is that privileged moment each day uh, where we take some time apart from everything else I'm doing to have a heart-to-heart conversation with God, mm-hmm. right? And we know how noisy the world is mm-hmm. and how busy our days are and how easy, even if I have a desire to do that, oh, who yeah. how easy it is for just day in, day to go out and, oh, I didn't take the time to pray. And mm-hmm. I know I should, and maybe I feel bad about that. And People get discouraged, but um, there's a, I'm not going to remember all of it right now, but there's a great line in the catechism and the section on prayer that uh, man may forget from God, may forget God, may hide from his face, may accuse the deity of having abandoned him. <laughs> like I've done all these things, yeah. right? There's a whole litany <laughs> yep. that goes out like that. But uh, in prayer, uh, but in the face of all of that, God untiringly calls each one of us every day to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. Mm -hmm. So God's like, hey, come spend this time with me, never ends. He never tires of making the invitation. And then that paragraph in the catechism concludes, it says, um, God's in prayer, God's initiative of love always comes first. Our own first step in prayer is always a response. Right. Right. Okay. So in this holy season, it's a time just to listen for that invitation of love, like God who loves us wants us to be with him. Because love desires union with the beloved. Right. So he's like, come, will you come aside and spend this time with me? Yeah. Okay. I'm not even going to get mad at you because you didn't do it yesterday. <laughs> That's right. right. Just let's Just say yes. On. Would yep. you say yes right now? What can right. I do? Right. 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 What can I do? And then 
our 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 penances, like our our fasting mm-hmm. or our vol- called voluntary penances. Uh, I'm giving up sweets or whatever it is that I, I'm not, you know, going to turn off the screens in my house after dinner every night or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. People always have that conversation. It's yep. a Catholic conversation. What are you, hey, giving, what are you, up for what are you giving up for Lent? Right. <laughs> Which is great. But as my parishioners over 20 years will know, uh, I'm, I, I, I really urge people to this connection that if I'm going to offer this voluntary penance, I'm going to give something up. I want to first answer the question, what am I going to ask God for? Okay. okay. What is a grace that I want to ask of God that will help me to grow in relationship with him? Because the idea of these voluntary penances or fastings is it's a tangible reminder to seek after an intangible good. Okay. Right? So for a lot of years, I really enjoy, I like, I like Coca-Cola. Okay. I'm a big drinker <laughs> of the Coca-Cola. Product. Okay. Or Pepsi. It doesn't really matter. I'm a cola Just, fan. So, okay. RC Cola. You bet. You bet. Whatever you like. Uh, I forget what the high V version is, but they have a version. I'll drink that. It's cola. It is cola. There you go. So I'm a fan of that. And, uh, like there's especially certain foods that you have to have a Coke with, like yes. burgers and pizza, pizza. and fries, yes, right? So if I'm sitting there eating a piece of pizza during Lent and I pick up this bottle of water instead of my Coke, I'm like, where's my Coke? <laughs> but that's where I want to have set in my mind. What's the grace that I'm asking God for? Because this is now that I'm missing my Coke. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the pinch of right. my fast, whatever my fasting is. That's a tangible reminder to seek after this intangible good. And the way we're built as human beings, we're often much more responsive to what's tangible and concrete to our physical senses more than we are to our spiritual goods. Right. So that physical fasting deprivation, freely setting aside a good thing like Coke, uh, <laughs> is a tangible reminder to seek after this less tangible and but more important spiritual good. So I really want to make that connection. Otherwise, it's putting the cart before the horse. Right. And it just kind of becomes like a weird Catholic calisthenic. Like, I'm just going to do this thing. I'm not going to eat <laughs> any sweets all that long, and it. that's it. You know? So can you give me a spiritual grace that you might? Yeah, like, God, that I might have a whole new lived experience of your love for me okay. today. Okay. Um, Jesus, that I may love, see and know and love myself as you love me. Okay. Uh, Jesus, that I might have the grace to forgive this person that I've carried a uh, resentment to for years. Sure. Uh, Jesus, that I might have the grace to go and apologize and ask forgiveness for someone I need to ask for. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, that I may come to a more intimate knowledge of you who became man for me, that I may love you more and follow you more closely. Right. I'm cheating now. I'm just taking things from the spiritual exercises. <laughs> uh, but like these, this is oftentimes something people don't think of. Like, Oh, it's good. Not it's not only okay. It's good for me to ask God for good things that I know I need right. to grow in relationship with Him. Yeah, like we can pray for the world and people's needs and all the people in my life I know who have diagnosed with cancer or facing other mm-hmm. trials and marriage difficulties. All the things, and those are beautiful things to pray for, and it's beautiful things to offer sacrifices for. Mm-hmm. But it is also good, and it's important for us to cultivate in our own hearts our desire for more with God in our own relationship with him. That's not selfish. That's right. not self-focused. That honors and glorifies God yeah. when we seek and knock and ask for those things to help us be more in love with him. Um, and we do so persistently. Yeah. He really wants us to ask for stuff. He really wants us yeah. to ask for things. So what about the almsgiving? Part? So almsgiving uh, is another good one. Uh-huh. First of all, it's because, well, we know that, um, so here, the truth of our lives is that we are utterly dependent and completely dependent on God at every moment. Mm-hmm. Like, Renee, if God stopped loving you for a minute, right, you would not have a bad day. You would not keel over dead. 
you would be annihilated. <laughs> okay. You would cease to exist. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Happy. Yeah. That, that was great. Thank you. Have a great day. Right? <laughs> well, thank God. Right. Yeah. So if you're ever, it is really, it really is good news because mm-hmm. we don't even have to be able to fog up a mirror. <laughs> it's not even the, the breath test. It's if I still exist, that is infallible evidence of God's love for me because God is actively loving you and every other person into existence mm-hmm. at every moment, at every moment. Yep. So that's a sure sign of God's love for us. Well, so that's the truth of us. If we depend on God for our existence in this moment, we depend on him for every good thing. But we live in the United States <laughs> where radical individualism and self-sufficiency is like part of our ethos, our, yes. our motto. This is yes. what we do. America. I think they'd right. stamp it into our DNA when right? we're born. <laughs> right. Right. And so that, that message, the truth that, no, actually I live in utter dependence on God who loves me is kind of contrary to the mm-hmm. American myth. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in our culture, the way I provide for myself and all things is through money. Mm-hmm. And the truth is we're made in God's image and likeness. God is a giver. So he calls us to almsgiving, to give of our financial resources and our time and our service to people in need, right? Precisely because uh, we have a need to give, to right. live the truth of who we are made in his image and likeness. And we all know people in our lives and maybe we are the person in our lives who like, however much I have, there's always just a little bit more, just if I just had a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just, I just know when it comes to like tithing uh, where I'm giving 10% of my income to charitable works, to the Mm -hmm. church and to charitable works. um, I know that if I'm trying to just like, Oh, if I just had a little bit more, if I'm not happy with 90%, I won't be happy with hundred percent or 110 or 110%. (laughs) That's right. And so there's something that happens of just the reorientation of our heart and where we're looking for for happiness when I enter into the joy of using the means that I've been blessed with to serve others. Right. To recognize that every good thing I have, even the money I've earned, because my ability to earn that money is itself God's gift, right? Yep. Um, that I, I want to put that at the service of others. St. John Paul II was relentless in reminding us that man discovers himself through a sincere gift of self. Okay. Uh, and we live in a culture that's like, ooh, what can I, what can, can I, I have get? for me? A little me time. <laughs> I want to get this for me, right? And that doesn't bring happiness. Right. And we can see many unhappy people who have many, many more financial resources than we do in our own lives. Why would they be unhappy if they could just buy anything they want? Because that's not what makes for happiness. Right. So right. There, there's a, a passion and an appetite there that our commercial culture feeds into that the practice of almsgiving and generally our tithing throughout the year, charitable giving throughout the year, really starts to reshape in our hearts and brings about a great freedom that increases our true happiness and joy in life. So those three things, prayer and fasting and almsgiving, are closely interconnected. I want to grow in relationship with God. My fasting gives me very tangible reminders to seek a deeper relationship Mm -hmm. with God throughout my day whenever I'm feeling the pinch Mm -hmm. of that. And uh, as I'm growing in union with God, the love of God is going to orient everything in my life for the sake of others. Right. And that's where I'm going to find great joy and fruitfulness in giving alms. That's all very helpful, Father Scott. I'd like having a really great sermon right here uh, all about Lent. It was awesome. <laughs> all right. We better we better wrap it up. Or, or Father, don't tell him I said that. Dr. Bergwald <laughs> won't have any time. <laughs> so right thanks on. a lot for thanks being for here and sharing all of that with us. And God bless all our listeners in this holy land. Yeah, thank you. Um, All right. If you aren't following us already on social media, you can find us at SF Diocese on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. You can watch these on video if you'd like. 
So that is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic News.